Back in the mid-1990s, Cheryl and I were serving a church in central Texas in a a county seat town. The, The church was on a main road in town, just down the street from the courthouse. Every Sunday night around 11 o'clock after the town had gone to bed, it was was a quiet town, I'd walk three houses down from the parsonage to the church, and I would change the text on the church's sign to the title of next Sunday's sermon. And I did that so that on Monday morning, as people were driving into town, they'd already be thinking about worship the next Sunday. I like to to put real creative, interesting sermon titles on that church marquee there, uh, just to make people curious about what I'd be talking about. And all week long, they'd be wondering, what in the world is he going to say? Well, sometimes we'd have people from other churches call the office just to see what I'd be talking about. Now, on a couple occasions, Cheryl vetoed my sermon title. Maybe I was being a little bit too creative. Like the sermon I I was going to preach on Balaam and his talking donkey. I wanted to put this on the marquee. Lessons from a smart... Okay? When I told that to Cheryl, she was absolutely shocked. Michael Carl, I knew I was in trouble. You are not going to call your sermon that. Now, my response was, was, was somewhat holy. I said, but honey, the King James Version of the Bible calls the donkey that. I'm just quoting scripture. You don't want me to put the Bible on the church sign? Well, she won that battle. But I'm still convinced that with that sermon title, we would have had a packed crowd that Sunday. Or else the bishop would have shown up. I'm not sure which one. You know, sermon titles should encourage people to want to hear the sermon. And that's why this sermon has no title. Let's read our scripture passage. Maybe we'll discover why this sermon has no title. I'm going to read from 2 Timothy chapter 1, beginning with verse 8. If you're able, I, I, I encourage you to stand for the reading of God's word. Listen to what Paul writes to Timothy. He says, Do not be ashamed then of the testimony about our Lord or of me, his prisoner, but join with me in suffering for the gospel, relying on the power of God who saved us and called us with a holy calling, not according to our works, but according to his own purpose and grace. This grace was given to us in Christ Jesus before the ages began. But it has now been revealed through the appearing of our Savior, Christ Jesus, who abolished death and brought life and immortality to light through the gospel. For this gospel I was appointed a herald and an apostle and a teacher. And for this reason I suffer as I do. But I'm not ashamed, for I know the one in whom I have put my trust. And I'm sure that he is able to guard until that day what I have entrusted to him. Hold to the standard of sound teaching that you've heard from me. In the faith and the love that are in Christ Jesus, guard the good treasure entrusted to you with the help of the Holy Spirit living in us. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Please be seated. This passage of Scripture is about suffering. Not not suffering from an illness, 
not suffering from some emotional turmoil. Paul is talking about enduring suffering because of our faith in Christ. So how do you give a title to a sermon about how great it is to suffer for Jesus? This sermon has no title because the reality is that many of us don't want to talk about suffering for our faith. See, in Paul's second letter to Timothy, we we find Paul near the end of his life. He's in prison. He's virtually alone. This is the last known communication Paul had with Timothy. Timothy was a young pastor, and Paul was like a father figure and a mentor to him. And Paul writes this letter to encourage Timothy to be strong in his faith, regardless of the cost. Paul writes in verse 8 of chapter 1, You must never be ashamed to tell others about our Lord. And don't be ashamed of me either, even though I'm in prison for Christ. Why is it? Why is it that sometimes we're hesitant to tell people about Christ? I mean, if that responsibility was just the preacher's job, the world would be in trouble. We're all called to share Jesus with other people. But yet many of us are embarrassed to mention the name of Jesus publicly. Maybe we're afraid people are going to treat us differently. Maybe we're scared that we won't know what to say if they have some sort of comeback to us. When Paul wrote this letter, the emperor Nero was persecuting Christians in Rome. Maybe Paul wrote to Timothy because the young church leader was, being, was, was afraid of being persecuted. We don't really know. But what we do know is that Paul tells Timothy to be ready to suffer with him. Be ready, Tim. Suffer with me. The reality for us is that compared to how Christians in other parts of the world live, most North American Christians don't understand what it means to be persecuted for our faith. I mean, sure, we like to whine and complain about things, but when was the last time that we were beaten because we mentioned the name of Jesus? When was the last time the government threw us in prison because we held a worship service? Last weekend at Winter Blitz, um, sand artist Joe Castillo shared his ministry with us. Some of you may have seen Joe. Um, a couple of years ago, he made it to the final four on the TV show America's Got Talent. Joe is a graduate of Asbury Seminary, and he used to serve as a pastor in the Kentucky Annual Conference. Joe does art with sand and a light table, and he creates stories just with, with art by moving the sand, drawing pictures. Beautiful, moving. Joe shared with us how the producers on, on the show, America's Got Talent, were very clear that he was not to do any Christian performances. Because Joe has a passion of the Christ that he does that is absolutely stunning. But the producer told him, Joe, you cannot do any Christian performances. During one rehearsal before the show, 
His 90-second performance ended with him drawing a picture of Jesus. They yelled, cut, and a producer approached him. They said, Joe, we told you, no Christian imagery. You can draw that person at the end, but you have to take his beard off so he doesn't look like Jesus. Well, Joe rehearsed again, and this time he drew the Jesus, but without a beard. And he said it looked like any other person, and it didn't make any sense to the end of his, of his performance. So when they get to the live show, Joe was right in the middle of his performance in front of millions of people, live TV. I, I mean, I, I don't know how he has that composure to do that. And in the middle of his performance, he had a thought. Am I ashamed of my Savior, Jesus Christ? So at the last moment, because they couldn't stop him because they were on live TV, he drew Jesus with a beard so that millions of viewers around the world would immediately know who that was. He took a lot of criticism from the producers. And it may have even cost him the, the title of the show, but... You know, he was willing to take criticism and even possible career setbacks because he wouldn't disguise Jesus. Do we disguise Jesus in our lives to avoid social suffering? And the truth is that we disguise Jesus when the people around us see us and not Jesus. We're trying to disguise Jesus so that people can't see him. We disguise Jesus to to avoid social suffering when God gives us opportunities to speak God's love and truth to someone, but we don't. We disguise Jesus to avoid social suffering when we don't call what's wrong, wrong, and what's right, right. Why is it that we can wear our UK gear all over the country, especially in places that this is really fun, where people don't like UK. But yet we're too embarrassed to carry our Bible with us to work or to class. And there's something wrong with that. See, the fact is, I think many of us don't want to suffer for Jesus. We'd rather have a nice, quiet relationship with God that we just keep to ourselves so we don't offend anyone. And if you can show me one verse in the Bible where it says we're supposed to live that way, I'll issue a public apology for this sermon. See, Paul tells Timothy to be ready to suffer with him. And if we're living a life that's faithful to God, we're going to experience some pushback from people sometimes. And if people don't treat you differently because you're a Christian, maybe you're trying to disguise Jesus in your life. Now, I'm not talking about just being pushy and pushing Jesus on people. Jesus never pushed himself on people. He gave them opportunities to respond. 
But if we're not giving people an opportunity to respond to Jesus because we don't want to get in their space, we're not doing what God's word tells us to do. See, Paul writes in verse 9 that through Jesus, God saves us. And he chose us to live a holy life. It's God's will for our lives that we approach life differently from the way that non-Christians approach life. I mean, is, is our approach to pop culture different from that of someone who isn't a Christian? Well, if we've truly given our lives to Christ, it should be. Is our use of the internet different from people who aren't Christians? Well, if we've truly given our lives to Christ, it should be. God calls us to be holy, to be different from the world because we're set apart from the world. In verses 13 and 14, Paul tells us that we've been entrusted with the truth of the gospel. The truth of who Jesus is, the truth of his message. We're supposed to guard that like it's a treasure. It's the truth of the gospel that these early Christians gave their lives to proclaim. See, Jesus Christ is the only truth in the world. And all power on earth and in heaven belongs to him. If we disagree with what the Word of God says, it's not the Word of God's problem, it's ours. Because God doesn't change. And neither does the reality of what it means to be created in His image. That doesn't change either. Because see, when, when we sin, we're breaking God's laws. And when you break God's laws, somebody has to be punished for it. That's why Jesus died on the cross. He died to represent us and the punishment that should have been ours. And yet Jesus was perfect. He was without sin. He was blameless. Yet he took all of that upon himself. See, that's that's what the love of God is. And God calls us to live holy lives because he loves us. And since that's how he created us to live, he knows that that's what's going to bring us happiness in life. My prayer for all of us is that God will give us the strength to stand up for his truth, even when it isn't popular. And even if it causes us a little bit of suffering. You all may remember Paul Harvey on the radio. I miss Paul Harvey. He used to give us the rest of the story. Well, here's the rest of the story to our scripture today. A few years after Paul wrote to Timothy to be ready to suffer for proclaiming Jesus, we discover in Hebrews 13.23 that Timothy had just been released from prison. He didn't hide his faith. He didn't try to disguise Jesus. He lived his faith naturally, and he was arrested for it. To the glory of God, he was arrested for it. 
May all of us be so faithful in our love for Christ that we live naturally. And if people don't like it, that's their problem, not ours. Let's pray.